Hello, and welcome to today's edition of the fight against COVID-19, what's really going on, the CGTN radio podcast that brings you everything you need to know about the COVID-19 pandemic. I'm Shane Bigham. In this edition, we look at the recovery of the service sector in China following the easing of the COVID-19 response. Many financial institutions have raised their GDP forecast for China as the lifting of COVID restrictions boosts economic activity. Yang Chengxi explores the recovery in the restaurant industry. Well, right next to the Great Wall of China, and what's taking place now is an annual Miao Hui or Temple Fair. If you want a taste of Chinese culture during the Spring Festival, this is one of the best places to be. For centuries, these carnivals of lively performances and vendors selling everything from local snacks to handicrafts have provided great family fun and have been a staple for Beijing locals during the Chinese New Year. It is also part of the indelible Beijing culture that many locals sorely missed for the past three years. But this place is one of several in the city that is bringing back this tradition in 2023. I feel so good that we have reopened. This place is fuller than I thought. I believe that in the coming one year or two, our lives will completely go back to normal. Since China updated its anti-COVID measures and Beijing passed its first infection peak, many social gatherings and travels have flourished. Since the reopening measures, the number of tourists have been rising. For the first five days of the Chinese New Year plus New Year's Eve, our hotels have been booked by up to 90 percent. This optimism is emblematic. Every dish served and item sold tells a story of an economic recovery that is taking place. Take dining, for example. To illustrate this better, we need to trace the food to way before it reaches the table. With the relaxed anti-pandemic measures, frequent PCR tests and temporary stops and checks are cancelled for truck drivers, who were deemed as high risk. It's much quicker than before. We used to wait two hours at the checkpoint. That is great news, especially for the logistics of perishable foods. I drove this truck of strawberries from Dandong, Liaoning province. After the reopening, there are no more obstructions. It's become much more efficient, and the fruits can remain fresh. Now the trucks and people are moving along quicker, I am making more renminbi. The rise in activity also reflects renewed demand. I am so happy. It's busy, it's tiring, but it feels very good. Things will get better in the future. Then the produce reaches further down the industry chain to restaurant tables. The catering industry has been among the hardest hit during the pandemic. It's also seeing one of the fastest recoveries. From noodle shops in central Wuhan to hot pot restaurants in southwest Chengdu. With the certainty of more business to come, many shops are now hiring, creating more employment. The most in-demand staff are waiters and waitresses. To inform more people about our hiring, we posted hiring information on our receipts. That was a report about the recovery along the industrial chain in the restaurant sector. Brick-and-mortar stores across China are seeing an increase of foot traffic. Xu Xinchen visited a newly opened plaza in Chengdu, Sichuan province, to find out more. This is one large sunken plaza newly opening December 2022 while China eased COVID restrictions. It offers quite a unique shopping experience for premium to luxury products. It can be something needed right now for shoppers to get back to stores trying all the fancy products on. On busy days, the plaza can attract some 100,000 visitors. Vice General Manager Li Xiaochen 
who also oversaw the department store's branch in central China's Xi'an, says displays and decorations have played an important role in catching shoppers' attention. Many shoppers come and appreciate the artistic installments. They take pictures and shop a little. It has definitely boosted the consumer market. We can see the reliance and stability of department stores have also brought confidence to consumers and business partners. We can see a strong recovery in Chengdu's retail and service sectors, and we also see brick-and-mortar stores ramping up efforts to improve supply and demand stability. New shopping centers are energizing Chengdu's consumer market. Meanwhile, the city government is sending out vouchers during the Spring Festival celebration to boost consumption. Experts say the service sector will continue to improve and may pick up even stronger momentum in the second quarter of 2023. That was Xu Xinchen reporting. The flow of people across China has increased significantly during the Chinese New Year holiday after the country lifted its COVID-19 restrictions. The number of trips is expected to hit 2.1 billion, double that of last year. There are concerns that the travel rush may unleash a surge in infections across some of the country's under-resourced regions. China's ramped up efforts to provide more staff and medical supplies to rural areas in a bid to ensure capabilities for pandemic prevention and control. For more on this, Zhu Tianlu spoke with Professor John Sai, chairman of the Academy of the China Healthcare Innovation Platform. The head of the Development Planning Department at China's Agriculture Ministry, Zheng Yande, said the countryside is a key area for the current COVID prevention and control, and the task is very heavy. In your observation, why is it so important to focus on the countryside? And in terms of epidemic prevention, what is the current situation in China's rural areas? So for the China rural side, because we have a more population, they live in the rural country area. Especially during the regular time, most of younger population they migrate to the city to work. So. Uh, mostly, it's the elderly and the children. They stay in the rural area. They tend to be less uh, educated. They have a less access to the internet, so they don't have uh, sufficient knowledge about the COVID-19. This is the one weakness. Mm-hmm. Uh, on the other hand, also in the rural area, the medical resources tend to be less. Facilitated, they have a re- less resource than the uh, than the city's urban area. So this is another weakness. So that's why uh, we we emphasize pay a lot of attention to the rural area uh, for them to prevent to treat the COVID nineteen virus. Uh, the infection. Uh, Mr. Zhen also said medical resources in the countryside are relatively inadequate, bringing great difficulty to epidemic prevention and control. So, Professor Tai, what are the difficulties or problems faced by the rural healthcare systems? Yeah,、uh, I think also I heard from some news reports in the rural area. The most needed is the medicine. Especially the fever reduction, fever control medicines. In the previous、uh, times, probably in a few weeks ago, the rural area they still have a huge shortage of this kind of medicine.、Uh, also, they need、uh, very simple equipment. But right now, government already start to mobilize the resource 
to send these resources to the rural area, I believe that right now the situation gets much better. Also, on the other hand, in the rural area, the medical staff, they have uh, fewer medical staff. Also, medical staff, they have a uh, not as good as education background. They don't have a better skill like in the urban area, the mm-hmm. hospitals. Mm-hmm. So this is uh, some kind of weakness. Uh, but the good things, the government starts to pay a lot of attention to that. We start to send some medical staff to the rural area, also send equipment, medicine to rural area. I'm thinking the situation will get get better and better now. The focus of China's new phase of COVID-19 response is on protecting people's health and preventing severe cases. To ensure rural communities get through the pandemic, some experts believe more targeted measures should be implemented. What kind of policies or measures are more targeted in your mind? I'm thinking that education is most important weapons, especially in the rural area. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, you need educate this like rural population to pay attention to some symptoms, to because they tend to uh, probably uh, less. Uh, they don't really understand what kind of symptoms will be indicated that the signal for the more severe cases. So if we provide some kind of education resource to the rural population to let people to self uh, prevent it to do some kind of uh, protection by themselves. I'm thinking that would be very important. Also important to educate the rural medical staff. Let them to understand they should need to pay some kind of attention to what kind of signal maybe indicate the more severe situations. I'm thinking education is very, very important. That was Professor John Tsai, chairman of the Academy of the China Healthcare Innovation Platform. The Bird's Nest Ice and Snow Festival is ongoing in Beijing to encourage more people to take up winter sports and to enjoy the spring festival. Do Hongyu reports. The national stadium in Beijing is also known as the Bird's Nest. Beijing is the world's first city to have held both the Summer and Winter Olympic Games. The stadium, initially designed for the 2008 Summer Olympics and Paralympics, was put into use again during the 2022 Winter Games. Now visitors enjoy snow tubing and alpine skiing and have fun with the family. We played on a snow tube and had a game of snow football. It is fun to slide with our children and run together. Sliding down from the top is really cool. We had a snowball fight and went sliding on a tube. My children and I all enjoyed this. I am so happy playing with my kid. These activities also increase the parent-child relationship. The mood and the weather are also perfect. Manager Joe Bain with the National Stadium Corporation says this year we'll see activities featuring snow sports, the Olympic spirit, and elements of the Chinese Lunar New Year. We produced many festive activities, including making dumplings on snow and guessing lantern riddles. Meanwhile, there is also an attraction introducing stories of Beijing as the double Olympic city. We welcome global visitors to experience the activities. Zhou also says they aim to fully utilize the stadium, making it more popular during the winter and off-season for tourism. Wei Xiang is a professor at the Chinese Academy of Social Sciences. 
He says connecting snow sports with the festive atmosphere in China is a positive signal to drive the economic recovery. When we consider the festival, health benefits, and the season, participating in the snow and ice activities during the spring festival is a very good choice. And snow sports are a collective activity which can promote group consumption and attract tourists to the city. Other stadiums have organized professional ski camps for children. A ticket for accessing the three main stadiums for the Beijing Winter Olympics is available online. The stadiums have also taken measures to cope with the peak number of visitors during the festival, including limiting the flow and increasing staff members to keep order. That was Do Hongyu reporting. Chinese tourists arriving in the Philippines have received a warm welcome from the local tourism authorities and the Chinese embassy. The Southeast Asian country is among the 20 nations earmarked for outbound group tours by the Chinese Ministry of Culture and Tourism. Gretchen Melalad has more. A hospitable reception filled with music and gifts. This is how the Chinese tourist passengers from Shaman Airlines were welcomed at the Manila Airport. Philippine Tourism Chief Cristina Frasco and Chinese Ambassador Wang Xilian personally greeted the 190 Chinese visitors. Children were given Philippine Eagle stuffed toys, while adults were given T-shirts and lots of freebies. The festive reception added to the enthusiasm of Chinese tourists to explore the various tourist destinations in the country. Very excited.、Um, since it's been like two years and three years almost, and it's really hard to actually travel abroad. And this is first time for us to travel, and we're very excited. We loved here, so we come here the twice, the second time, which is the Philippines. Yeah. How do you? How excited are you? Very excited. Tourism Secretary Frasco says the arrival of Chinese tourists signals a very auspicious start to the new year, and indicates a positive result of President Ferdinand Marcos Jr.'s recent state visit to China. The Philippines is also among the 20 nations identified by China's Ministry of Culture and Tourism to be part of its pilot areas for outbound tourism group tours. I'd like to express my gratitude. To the government of the People's Republic of China for identifying the Philippines as one of the first 20 countries where group tours are allowed. The Philippines is open and ready to welcome our friends from China. Before the pandemic, China ranked as the second country with the most number of visitors brought to the Philippines, amounting to over 1.7 million visitors, next to South Korea. We believe that with the、uh, the Development of our tourism cooperation, and、uh, we believe that there will be growing number of Chinese tourists coming to the Philippines. Popular tourist destinations such as Boracay, Cebu, Palawan, and Bohol are a big hit among Chinese tourists. The tourism department is closely coordinating with the local government and tourism stakeholders to ensure Chinese visitors can enjoy the best of what the country has to offer. The tourism department is confident that more and more Chinese tourists will visit the Philippines in the next few months. This means the demand for luxury goods and entertainment from Chinese travelers will go up and could speed up the recovery of the country's tourism industry. That was Gretchen Malalat reporting. Chinese medical workers are countering potential challenges in COVID-19 control at the community level during the Chinese New Year holiday. Feng Yilei has more from Huzhou, Zhejiang Province. 
The touring medical car, a village healthcare center in Dejing County, comes to 71-year-old Li Xueling as usual. A few days ago, Li caught COVID-19. Medics check his blood oxygen, heartbeat, and blood pressure to evaluate his situation. Whenever he needs help, give us a call and we will come to his home. Over the past three years, community workers, medical personnel, and volunteers have been working closely together to curb the spread of the virus in both urban and rural areas. And this experience has helped create a system at the most grassroots level to protect residents. Since China eased its COVID-19 restrictions, health authorities have called on community-level healthcare teams to provide targeted services. They classify key population in the region into red, yellow, and green, according to different levels of risks after infection. We make follow-up visits three times a week for the red or most risky group, twice a week for the yellow group, and once a week for the green group. For those who are seriously sick, we transfer them to superior medical institutions early. For the returning population who have symptoms but without medicine at home, we also distribute drugs, even small molecule antivirals, free of charge. Even during the Spring Festival holiday, door-to-door medical services for high-risk groups, either at home or nursing homes, still goes on. Apart from traditional methods. Some advanced technologies are introduced to make sure no one is left behind at the last mile in urban areas. Huzhou Transportation Hospital, together with a charity, installed smart mattresses for some 20 impoverished senior citizens living alone in the district. It allows the hospital to monitor their health conditions remotely, 24 hours a day. We have received alerts of abnormal breathing and heart rate from the platform twice during this outbreak. Once we noticed, we contacted the elderly in time and asked the volunteers to visit them. After we confirmed that their lives are not in danger, we later arranged a doctor's visit as well as a return visit. Now their conditions are stable. National health authorities highlight village and communities as an important defense line in countering the spread of the virus, and call on support for primary medical institutions. The government says by mid-January, supplies of drugs in township health centers had seen continuous improvement. Grassroots medical institutions are now also better equipped. A total of 1.17 million finger pulse oximeters have been distributed to village clinics across the country. That was Fang Yilei reporting. With that, we end this edition of the fight against COVID-19. What's really going on? Subscribe to our podcast for another episode filled with facts, stories, and opinions concerning the global battle against the coronavirus. For more detailed stories about the pandemic, visit radio.cgtn.com or listen to our current affairs program, The Beijing Hour, online. Drop us a line on our podcast so we can provide you with even more content that interests you. I'm Shane Begum. Thanks for listening.